to all of us. There's a nice, <coughs> nice. So welcome you all here today. It's great, great to have you all here. Lovely to have Gavi and Ari for their, for their, for the moment, their, their last day in, um, in Eretz Yisrael. It's very special. And I want to tell you something which is a reflection from last week's Pasha and also is a very strong reflection of my very own life. And one of the things that I love doing and gives me the sense of real calibration is to see how the Torah explains my life and how my life is explained by the Torah. The greatest, Rabbi Yucham said, the greatest parish on Torah, the best way, the be- what's the ultimate commentary on the Torah? It's my life. And what's the ultimate description, articulation of what's going on in my life, the Torah. And very often there's a, there's a dichotomy between those two things. Something which I'd like to explore is I believe there are people um, who, I think it's a very big, um, it's very seductive. And there different people. Um, amongst my children, there's a lot of interest in hearing things which create binary options in life. So for Baal to hear that the world of religious observance is perfect and idyllic and that everything about it is good and that the secular world is horrible and horrific and demonic and everything about it is bad is extremely comforting. It's extremely comforting because it gives them the internal psychological assurance that they didn't mess up by making a decision to pretty much wreck everything they have about their lives. So they can be comforting when you can fit into this very well-articulated structure and you can feel that you are basically the only person in the world that's right along with all your cronies and everyone else is totally wrong. And that's so, that's so reassuring because after you've given up everything that's exactly how you want to feel. And there are a lot of um, speakers who play into this weakness of making things binary, and, they, and they'll go and they'll go on a rant and a rave about how everything in the, you know, everything is like so cut and dried, and everything is perfect and good and great, and everything out there is like so demonic and terrible and evil, and that's very reassuring for a person, especially at the early stages of the Bible where they have no idea what they're doing and why they did it. Of course, that's not very healthy, and of course, it's totally untrue. That things are way, way more nuanced, and unfortunately, 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 there is no base on English, which means that at the core of many of the, the world of religious observance, there is enormous amounts of things which are completely wrong, bad, unhealthy, terrible, awful. And in many things outside the world of Torah, there are things which are beautiful and productive and great. And now that makes us about Torah really confused, because, ooh, what do I do now? And then he gets all into panic. So, just want to put that across. But one of the things which is fascinating, when we look at the Torah as a real description of life, you don't make those binary assumptions. Because in those binary assumptions, that doesn't actually fit into life. You follow me? Like, when it's, when it's so black and white, so it, doesn't, it doesn't actually work with real people in real time. Because when you want to make everyone outside of your little circle of friends demonic, and then you meet a guy who's like just a really nice guy, you say, I don't know, what's wrong with this guy? Why is he so nice? And then because he doesn't fit into your little kind of box-like image of the world, and then you get all confused, and then you don't know what to do, and oh my gosh, and then you have a crisis of faith. <laughs> but you, you, weren't, you weren't, didn't have a crisis of faith, because you didn't have faith, you had stupidity. See? So one of the rules that Rabbi Shalom teaches us repeatedly is don't be stupid. Don't be stupid. The Torah is, a com- Torah is a commentary on your life and your life is a commentary on Torah. And now let me tell you about how this week's Prashat spoke to my life. It was in the midnight, exactly. 
Vashem Hikar Chol Bechor Beitz Mitzrayim. Hashem struck every single <coughs> firstborn in Egypt. Mibchor Paroi Ayeshal Kisoi from the firstborn of Paroi <coughs> who is sitting upon his throne. Ad Bechor Ashvi Ashvi Bebeisabor to the firstborn of the prisoner in the prison. Bechor Bechor Behema and all the firstborn of the animals. <coughs> Um, so this is where the, the Torah describes that not only not only the people who are, who are collaborators um, and who willfully decided that the Jewish people should be enslaved um, are going to be hit but also um, the And then early on in the past, it says in the past, every bochor will die. This time it doesn't say bochor. That's the the bochor of this prisoner, the first one. The prisoner says the bochor of the maidservant, Asher Acharechaim, who's behind the mill. So over here, Rashi says. Rashi asks an obvious question. Why were the, the, the servants punished? They were just following orders. They were just following orders. Why were they punished? So Rashi answers, that they enslaved the Jews, but they were happy with the Jews' servitude. Well, what's it going to do with anything? Who cares if they were happy? So in this Rashi, we get the secret of happiness. They were held culpable because they were happy. Why is it a reason to hold them culpable? What makes a person culpable is they do something of their own volition and not under duress. But they were slaves. They were under duress. They were forced to do what they were doing. But they were happy doing it. Okay, they were happy doing it. So they were under duress, but they were happy doing it. Rashi reveals to us, the Maharal explains, that if you do something under duress, and you're happy doing it, you are no longer under duress. Because when you're happy doing it, every act, every moment of happiness, is a reflection of a connection between the act that you're doing, and your inner want. Happiness is when 
your inner world gets expressed in your outer action. The byproduct of that is happiness. When I have a very strong want, and that want is realized, I feel happy. So the Bechor Shifcha that had no choice to punish, to enslave the Jews or not, they were commanded to do so, but they were happy to do so, reveals they wanted it. If they wanted it, they would have done it without their command as well. Therefore they're culpable. So another way of saying it is that happiness is a measure of how much I want something when it's expressed. So when do I become happy? I become happy when I have a strong want, a strong desire, an ambition, and I reach my ambition, the byproduct is happiness. Hence, a person with no ambitions can experience a level of happiness. Hence, developing our wants and our desires and our directions is a crucial ingredient if we ever want to experience the bright product of life called happiness. Hence, happiness isn't a goal. It's something that happens when you reach your goal. So it's pointless to have happiness as a goal. Because then you're trying to create the byproduct as the main focus and that will never work. So let me tell you how this pans out in my life. Today I'm happy. I wasn't happy last week. Why wasn't I happy last week? I have a very strong desire. I've got many strong desires. One of the strong desires I have is to be effective in helping people understand the mysteries of Judaism and the brilliant workings of the Talmud. But the situation I was in, my share was way too big and too disparate for me to be able to, rec- to realize what I wanted to do, do, which was to be able to communicate to people and help them to gain access to the wonderful world of Torah. And I would go in every day and my expectation was dashed against the hopes, against the rocks of despair, day after day, day after day, until I actually suggested that maybe I should become an accountant. That's how far I went. That's how unhappy I was. That's how unhappy I was. I was able to shift things around today and I'm happy. I feel fulfilled. I feel great. Because today I was able to break up the share into two sharing and give everyone what they needed. And they loved it and I loved it and I love you and everyone loves each other, but I'm happy. Until I come to this share, then I get unhappy again. I get really unhappy. Because this share is dysfunctional. It's totally dysfunctional. I look at this share as something very important and very good. Now, I've got an issue, which I don't know if if it's... I don't know to what degree it's going to be helpful for me to be unhappy. This is my issue. My issue is, I've got a deep desire to share the beauty of Torah with people. Um, that's not a non-issue, that's a beautiful thing. This year it's dysfunctional because I can't possibly achieve it. I cannot possibly achieve it, at this point, the way that this year is working. I just can't do it. The reason why I can't do it is because there's no one really in the audience, I don't know one, there are not a critical mass of people in the audience that care. That care or that relate to what's going on here with the level of value that would make the experience genuine and helpful. The way I look at the way you look at the way you look at this year is that this is a fantastic opportunity for those of you when you're not too tired and you've got nothing better on to come spend 40 minutes to half an hour of time. Beyond that, I don't know how much value it has. The way I look at this opportunity is for discussing transformational ideas which will completely shift you. And because there's such a dislocate between my aspirations and what I perceive your aspirations to be, so every time I walk into the shir, I get frustrated anew. And I think to myself, what am I doing here? And it reached a climax on Thursday when I shared something which to me was a life-changing insight. And the response was something along the lines of, to, to... And then I thought, okay, well, I'm clearly wasting my time.
Um, so that's how I feel right now. I feel like I'm wasting my time. I feel that my capacity to do anything relevant over here is not very high. Um, and I don't know what to do about it. I don't know what to do about it. Um, what I was thinking of doing about it was as follows. Seeing if there's a group of people who are actually interested in doing this, and those group of people, and actually I did this before, and this was an amazing thing, I actually did this before. There was a point like a few weeks ago where I said, okay, anyone that's interested, please put like, do a WhatsApp thing. Who, whoever's coming to share must come to share, must commit. And there was no response. <laughs> when I say no response, I mean zero response. Like no one could even be bothered to even like go ahead and like respond to my request. So, um, few options. I can stop giving the share, which I think would be free up a lot of time for me, which I value my time very much. Be amazing. I could watch YouTube videos and t- check my TikTok account again. Um, and again, like a little teenage girl. Um, I could, I could, I could say to people in the room, guys, if you're interested, if there's anyone here that's actually interested in having a share every day where they're actually serious about growing and learning, and they'd like to do so, so please will they approach me and have a discussion. But that, of course, implies a commitment, both emotionally, intellectually, and time-wise. That means you're here every single day. Now, sometimes you get sick. That's okay. Can't make everyone well all the time. But if you get sick repeatedly, so then there's a pattern and you should go see a therapist. Um, because either you've got something, either a therapist or a specialist, go see someone. Because if you get repeatedly sick, either you are using your sickness as evasive play, or there's some chronic condition that you have to have seen to. But people who want to be somewhere don't get repeatedly sick. People who want to be there are generally healthy because they want to be there. And if they are feeling a little bit off, so they don't come. If you find that you've got like this allergy to go into a place, so then you should look inside because it's probably not that. The allergy is something else going on. So that's what I, I, would, I, would, I would, that's one option. One option is to stop and I'll say to Rabbi Wiener, listen, there's like essentially now there are three Musashirim running concurrently from 12.30 to 1.10. Rabbi Johnny gives a share, Rabbi Wiener gives a share. The lot of you can be apportioned between those two Shirim and Gagas and Tahit, and I will use this time for more productive endeavors like, as I said before. Um, that's what I'm really would love to do. Um, but I don't know if that's a responsible thing to do. Um, or me and Shmuel could just go in front of the, you know, into the front of the Falling Gardens and record 90 minutes worth of one 20-second Instagram and TikTok videos. And I say, like I'll, I'll split up the share, like literally, like into little like, bite-sized chunks, and, and then at least I'll have an anonymous multiple multiverse of people listening to something, and that will be really powerful and transformational. You get uh, thousands. Of people. You get way more than this. Yeah. Really I should really consider it. Um, or the other option is like, which is, I, I just feel like I just, I feel like I just don't have the energy for it. Like actually taking people who want to learn and saying like, well, let's learn something. Let's do something real. Um, that's the other option. But that, that again, that requires, it never works, as I told you on Thursday, when you can't give a matona to a person when if they, you're giving them a diamond and think they're receiving a trinket. So then the interaction is they got a trinket. And I'm not willing to have that level of of unrealistic and un, unequal, yeah, unequal, unequal. You got it. 
Så 